All right. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Ellie and I are spending the day in bed today. There she is. <laughs> Actually, we're at Jazz's and, and uh, you know, it's a small apartment and, uh, you know, we make out the sofa bed for us to sleep in and I just haven't made it up. So, so there's either a sofa bed or there's a sofa. You don't have a choice. So we're hanging, <laughs> we're hanging out in the bed. I think Ellie likes it better this way. Uh, Cause she's not allowed on the sofa. She'd be on the floor. She is allowed on the bed. So, <laughs> so this is much better before jazz comes home. We'll have to make it back into a sofa so that we all have a place to sit. Um, but welcome. Uh, Val, your shirt looks an awful lot like, I like the shirt I wore to the concert yesterday. <laughs> yeah, almost exactly. Uh, I'd have to see it more, but it looks a lot like that shirt I wore yesterday to see Tanya Tucker. I went and saw Tanya Tucker last night. Uh, I, I saw her when I was 13 and she was 15. A long time ago, I saw her. And the first thing I noticed when I saw her last night is, wow, she's really changed. Of course, you know, I haven't, right? <laughs> I look just the same as I did when I was 13. <laughs> but you could tell when she was um, on stage, she didn't feel that change, right? She doesn't feel the change between, in her case, 15 and 64. You know, you could see that in her performance. She feels the same and she's not sure how 64 happened. We all know what that's like, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's good to see y'all. Uh, welcome to the seven steps to awakening and out of the stillness. And we are beginning with quote 223. So, of course, I'm going to start reading in the seven steps to awakening first. Quote 223. The world that hides the self is but a dream. When the phenomenal world is hidden by the self's bright light, awareness pure, the self abides. Let me read that again. Did I read that wrong? Let me do that again. The world that hides the self is but a dream. When the phenomenal world is hidden, oh yeah, I, I get it. Okay, when the phenomenal world is hidden by the self's bright light, awareness pure, the self abides. So basically this is saying you can't see both or know both at the same time, right? You either know the world or you know the self but you don't know them both at the same time. And, and, and we've talked about that before, right? Um, I've shared with you, this is why, you know, I don't call myself awake or anything like that uh, because I still see a world. Um, so, so you either see the self or you see the world, which assuming this is true and I have no reason to doubt it, you know what this means? This means I don't see the self. Now that's interesting because I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Uh, I'll be honest in a very humble way, but you know, misunderstood, it could sound arrogant. Sometimes there's a fine line between the two. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, there's a big difference between my experience of life and the experience of life that the average person has, you know, whatever, whatever that is. And in fact, there's even within the average person, there's this gamut, I think, of people who really, really suffer and, and people who feel basically okay. They don't recognize the stress as suffering. They don't recognize the frustration as suffering, right? So they feel basically all okay, even though all that stuff is still there. Um, and that's where I started. I was one of the okay ones. Um, and in fact, the first thing that I had to face on the spiritual path was that I wasn't okay. Isn't that funny? Uh, that I wasn't as happy and as well adjusted and as, you know, perfect isn't the right word, but, you know, <laughs> doing as well as I thought I was. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, so one of the first things that happened for me on the spiritual path was it was like a, a, a awareness shined a spotlight on my stress and my grievances and my, I don't like her and my, oh my God, would you please hurry up? And, you know, oh, you know, just all that stuff. 
that I wasn't paying any attention to. Right. And so what happened for me, because I, I was generally okay, like some people are, you know, in other words, I, 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 I had adapted to my suffering. <laughs> I wasn't suffering about my suffering. <laughs> right. And so the first thing that had to happen for me was I had to be shown, this is not really what okay means. Right. This is, this is not fundamental well-being. This is not happiness. This is not peace. This is a lot of other stuff, but it's not that. And so the first thing that happened for me on the spiritual path was noticing all of this, all of this got highlighted and I started seeing all of this stuff. Um, but if we fast forward, you know, we go through this purification process and the spiritual practice that I've done and all of that, I really am now at a, at a place of fundamental well-being. You know, I really am just happy with what is. Um, acceptance is natural for me. And when it's not, it's not typically for a few seconds until I shine my light on it and notice it for what it is. And then it disappears and I'm right back to okay again. Um, I, I have read the description of my experience before by certain authors or certain teachers, and I have seen it described as enlightenment. Isn't that interesting? You know, like check, check, check. And I keep waiting for them to, to say the thing that I don't yet experience. So I can say, oh yeah, they were enlightened, you know, <laughs> and they don't, they're describing this and they're calling this enlightenment. But then I also come across the teachers that I know they have an experience beyond mine. You know, Bernadette Roberts, as an example, uh, recently I introduced you all to Angelo DeLillo, De, De, I don't even know how to say his name. I've never heard it said. I only saw it on the book, Angelo DeLillo or something like that. You know, he, he, I, I read his book. I've almost finished it. I'm a few pages from the end. And, you know, like everything he talks about, uh, you could say is in my rear view mirror. So I can validate it. Like, yes, that's true. Yes, that's true. Yes, that's true. But then there's this 5% of the book. I'm like, ah, oh. now that I haven't experienced yet. Right? That's the next step. So, and as you guys know, I love this honesty. You know, I love this. Why would I? want to do what some authors are doing and saying this is enlightenment if it's not in fact um you know this is what nti says um this is what certain other really good teachers say that believing that you are enlightened before you are is the last obstacle is the last obstacle so as I've told you all, a lot of times, it's not that I want to stay in this denial of truth. You know, some teachers will say, well, you just want to deny the truth. You know, it's not that it's that I want it legitimately. I don't, I, you know, if I, if I can still find these people like Bernadette Roberts and Angelo and, you know, the, the, the sages that are in the seven steps to awakening that are speaking of an experience that I do not yet know, uh, I want to be grateful for this progress that has occurred. I want to be grateful for this way of seeing that is here, uh, but I want to keep moving. Ellie's turning around. You know how dogs do. <laughs> Got to turn around and lay down again. <laughs> uh, I want to keep moving. Uh, and, and this is the funny part. Um, this is the funny part. I don't know how to say this, so I will just say it. It's funny because I talk about, you know, I want to keep moving. Um, and at the same time, <laughs> uh, I am fine right where I am. Isn't that funny? You know, like there isn't this, like once upon a time, there was this, I got to get it. You know, like I got to get somewhere energy. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure you've all felt it. Like where I'm at is not okay. I got to get there. That doesn't exist. Isn't that funny? 
that doesn't exist. So it's, it's, you know, they say that as you awaken further, there are more and more paradoxes. And I suppose this is just one of the paradoxes, the, you know, I, 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 I want to keep moving. And yet there's nothing in me that needs anything to be different than it is right now. Both of those statements are true. Yeah, both of those statements are true. But again, when we go back to looking at what's here in this particular quote, 223, the world that hides the self is but a dream. When the phenomenal world is hidden, which means you can't see it. When the phenomenal world is hidden by the self's bright light, awareness pure, the self abides one or the other, right? You can't have both. And again, this is clearly what several really good teachers say. Again, Bernadette Roberts is one of my favorites. I've, Angelo, who I recently discovered, says the same thing. Uh, you know, Michael Langford says the same thing. Um, you know, when these teachers say this, I these people that that teach this, when I look at them, I don't see anything in them that wants to deceive anything or anyone. Like, what do they have to gain from saying, when you awaken to the self or when you awaken to truth realization or when you're enlightened or when you're liberated or whatever word they use, there is no world. What do they have to gain from that? I can't find anything they have to gain. They're just sharing something that we need to know so that we have that measuring stick so that we know in spite of how wonderful this is, um, you know, at this stage to keep going, right? Yeah. So let's see what I wrote and out of the stillness um, back in 2012, number 223. The clarity of self sees only self. Any other perception is false idea projection. Take this wisdom to heart. Practice noticing how the mind projects meaning onto the world. So this isn't just a, a philosophical statement. You know, we've talked a little bit about an intellectual path. Uh, an example of intellectual path would be that I read this quote, the world that hides the self is but a dream. When the phenomenal world is hidden by the self's bright light, awareness pure, the self abides. An example of an intellectual path would be if I wrote, um, all there is, is the self. And maybe stopped, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe stopped. But notice that's not what's going on with what I've done in my journal. First, I'm restating what I see in the quote. The clarity of self sees only self. Any other perception is false idea projection. That's what I see in the quote. So I've written that down. But then notice I go on. Take this wisdom to heart. Remember, I'm talking to myself. It's okay if you take it as talking to you too, but I'm talking to myself. Take this wisdom to heart. And then I say, practice noticing how the mind projects meaning onto the world. There's a practice there, right? This is saying that the self sees only the self. So if you see something else, that's a mental projection. Instead of just believing this, right? Practice noticing it. You know, notice, for example, that you say, and I know none of y'all are saying this, but notice that, for example, how you say that lazy butt Regina in bed all day, <laughs> right? Notice how you say that or whatever you say, right? Notice that that's a projection that you put on what you're seeing. Where are your projections? This is a, this is a part of the practice that helps us to transcend those projections. You know, people who have taken or are taking 
uh, 500 days with NTI, watched this video with Leo Gura. I know many of you are familiar with it. It's called Awareness Alone is Curative. And last night, you guys had a great discussion about that video. I, I loved it. <laughs> I loved how you're saying the ego just does not believe that. <laughs> right? That's true. Um, however, it's true that awareness heals. So what's going on here in this particular um, journal entry, when I say practice noticing how the mind projects meaning onto the world, notice by the way, it doesn't say practice noticing and then judge yourself. It doesn't even say practice noticing and then stop it, <laughs> right? It just says practice noticing. And trust me, that's enough because most of us do all this projection without noticing, right? This is enough of an assignment. Practice noticing. But as we begin to notice how, oh, I projected lazy butt onto that idea of being in bed all day, right? I I did that. I said lazy, my, my mind said lazy butt and I agreed, right? <laughs> without judgment, uh, without even trying to stop it, you just notice it. You just bring awareness to it. And there's some kind of a magic in that, uh, that none of us can explain. Uh, the ego denies. But as we notice things and keep noticing and keep noticing at first, they may seem to get bigger. Okay. Because what's been happening is you've been not looking at how you're projecting onto the world, right? So when you start noticing at first, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and there may even be this temptation to like see yourself as the worst person in the world or something that you have to pass by, right? That's just a temptation of the ego. So at first it seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger, but then it starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And this time what's happening is it's not getting smaller because you're going back into the denial. It's getting smaller because the awareness is healing it. You're starting to just look without the idea lazy butt, right? You just look. And again, I saw this occur for me. And so I know that it's true. Uh, and, and one specific example that always comes to mind is, you know, early on the spiritual path, um, I was sitting on a plane one day and, and people were coming onto the plane with their luggage and stuff. And what I noticed was my mind had a comment about every single person the eyes landed on. Some kind of a comment at everybody, right? Now, years later, I don't know if we're talking five years later, seven years later, I really don't remember. I happened to be sitting on a plane and all of a sudden, you know, people are coming on and all of a sudden I noticed I was just watching. I mean, it, I was so amazed at, at seeing that because I never stopped it. It stopped. Isn't that amazing? It stopped just by me noticing in a non-judgmental way. You know, one of the messages that I received when I was with Laurent, I can't remember the name of it, but the gist of it was really awareness alone is curative. I can't remember the name of the message. It had the word awareness in the, in the title. But what it, it was teaching this, that awareness heals. Only what it pointed out very clearly in the message is that judgment is not awareness. So if you're watching, if you think, if you think you're noticing that your mind is projecting and you're judging yourself, that's actually not awareness. That's not what heals. So the skill, the skill that we're attempting to master, this is our part in the job, the rest of it just happens. Our part in the job, right, our, our part is to learn to watch without judging. Just, ah, there it is again. Ah, I see that that happened. Ah, I notice I believe that thought. Ah, I notice it was my idea that she was a lazy butt without the judgment. And that's what he is. And in fact, if you aren't familiar with Leo Gura's film, 
uh, I highly recommend it. The way you would find it in YouTube is you, his organization is called actualized.org. So go type in actualized.org. Awareness alone is curative. And one of the things he does in that particular video, now he's, he's speaking uh, at a more worldly level. Like if you have trouble overeating, you know, really watch yourself, you know, pig out and notice how you feel or if you're trying to quit smoking. But everything that he says applies to just letting go of judgment, letting go of projection, letting go of all of that guilt, letting go of all of that stuff, right? But one of the things he does in that video that is really fantastic, I just told you that um, Holy Spirit, inner wisdom, taught me that if there's judgment in it, it's not awareness. He goes through this list that I don't recall off the top of my head, but of like five or six things that are not awareness. You know, like I remember one of the things he says is not awareness. He probably says judgment, but I don't remember that. He, oh, he calls it moralizing. He says moralizing is not awareness. Saying I should not eat junk food or I should not smoke or right now I should not project my ideas onto the world. He says that is not awareness. That's really the same, I think as judgment is not awareness. He also talks about intellectual knowledge is not awareness, just knowing intellectually uh, that it's not good to eat junk food or that it's not good to smoke or just knowing intellectually that uh, it's not helpful to be projecting judgment onto the world. That's not awareness. You know, so it's a pretty good video because if you watch it, it helps kind of tune you into what awareness is as he lists what it isn't. Uh, but the gist of it is it's just noticing without anything else. It's just that anything else. Maybe you could say it has honesty in it. If you want to put something, you know, it has honesty in it, right? You could even, if you want to put something else in it, put trust in it, trust that this is enough, right? You can put honesty in it and you can put trust in it. I think it's okay to add those two things. But usually that's not what we want to add. Usually we want to add the judgment. You know, we want to add the, uh, what a loser I am. <laughs> you know, we want to add, you know, all, all this other stuff. And that stuff, that's not awareness. That's mind. So again, I, I contemplate this quote that tells me that either I see a world, which means I don't know the self, which by the way, means I don't know the self. That's what that means. I still have this wonderful discovery ahead of me. So I don't know the self. It says, if I see a world, I don't know the self. And it says, if I know the self, I don't see a world. That's what the quote says. And so as I'm contemplating it, you know, what I see is somehow my projection onto what's here, right, is causing me to see the world that I see. I need to start noticing what these projections are. I need to start noticing. And that's the assignment for myself. Just notice. So 223 and out of the stillness again, the clarity of self sees only self. Any other perception is false idea projection. Take this wisdom to heart. It's like saying, put your faith in this. You know, trust these masters. Take this wisdom to heart. Practice noticing how the mind projects meaning onto the world. Just practice noticing that. So I'm going to move on to 224. The nature of this mind-created world, now seen in dreamlight dim, 
is truly known only in that bright being awareness, which transcends the mind's illusion. Now, this is interesting because the previous quote, you know, said that the world hides the self, the self hides the world. And now this says the nature of this mind created world now seen in dreamlight dim, you know, in other words, I'm seeing all this stuff that isn't true, is truly known. The nature of that is truly known only in that bright being awareness, which transcends the mind's illusion. So this again says there is something to be truly known. Reminds me of last week, we talked a little bit about um, the ING, right? The ING, that you know, there's being, which we often can experience, for example, in nature, we can also experience it in the body, you know, when you're in meditation, and the mind gets still, and you're just paying attention to the sensations of the body, you become in touch with the being, right, the being. And then we talked about what may not be as easy to get in touch with is the nature or the essence of something, um, that we would call inanimate, that we would call not, not alive. And I mentioned that in order to help with this, you know, um, in the transparency of things, Rupert Spira wouldn't use the word being for this. He uses the word existing, right? I mean, it is here, right? It is. So this is existing, right? Um, but what I pointed out the two have in common is the ing, right? The ing, right? The ing. Um, so when this talks about the nature of the mind-created world, it's saying there is something here. There's an ING here. You know, you're not, you're not seeing the ING, which we could call the true self, or we could call uh, the absolute, or we could call the supreme, the Tao, blah, 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 blah. But there's an ING here. And you don't know the ING. And this is really, you know, the goal of awakening is to come to know the ING as the self. I mean, you know, this is where the no separation comes in. There's no separation between, you know, now I would say me and the book, right? But that's a separation, me and the book. Do you guys agree? But this nature, this ING, it's what everything is. It's what I am. There's no separation. And I know it fully, intimately as the everything that I am. So that's the nature, the ING. So... The nature of this mind-created world, now seen in this dreamlike dim, me in the book, is truly known only in that bright being awareness, which transcends the mind's illusion. Again, there is something here to be known, the ING. And uh, Bernadette Roberts, if you read her books, one of, you know, I always forget what I read and which of her books, but um in, in at least one of her books, when she awakens to this, she calls it her, her words. Everybody has to make up their own words at this point because there are no words, right? But sometimes I love the words they make up. She calls it real form. Real form, the ING, it's real form, right? So again, the nature of this mind-created world now seen in dream light dim is truly known only in that bright being awareness which transcends the mind's illusion so i'm going to read what i wrote in out of the stillness do not use the mind to try to understand that the world is not real Mental understanding is not the guidance. Be clear on what is being asked. When an image is seen, notice that a concept is believed. This noticing 
is the guidance. Relationship realization is the purpose. And re relationship realization here is a, is a word that I made up, you know. Um, what it meant to me in the moment was this, you know, this I, uh, I without an I, the non-self, but this I as the essence, as everything. I mean, that is the relationship and it isn't really a relationship at all because there's no two things to put in relationship, but the relationship is the intimacy of it. That's a good way to put it. The intimacy of knowing myself as the ING and knowing everything as the ING and knowing that the ING is all that exists. But that's all that ever was, right? So again, and out of the stillness, it says, do not use the mind to try to understand that the world is not real. This is not a thinking job. Mental understanding is not the guidance. Be clear on what is being asked. When an image is seen, notice that a concept is believed. There's the guidance. So notice, for example, I just called this a book. Notice, for example, I call that a dog. Now, this doesn't mean there's anything wrong with, right? You don't need to get all weird. This is what happens to some spiritual people. They get all weird, right? Don't get weird. When you're talking to your daughter, you still say, hey, Jazz, can you hand me that book? <laughs> you know, we're not getting weird here. But, but during times of contemplation, especially, you know, during these times when we're really, you know, we're not being practical in the world in that moment necessarily, we're looking, we're looking, we're looking. Notice, I call this a book. Why do I call this a book? Because, you know, I was taught to call it a book. Well, what is book? B. Okay, it's four letters. B O O K. Well, what are B O O K? Well, they're scribbles that I have been taught have meaning, right? I've been taught a B means b, right? I've been taught two O's together are uh, and a K means k, and book, book is what this is. And if you look at that hard enough, it actually starts to not make sense anymore. There's no way this can be a book. Every bit of what I just described is made up, made up and then taught. Now for practical reasons, so I can say, Jazz, can you hand me that book? Or Jazz, have you seen my book? I mean, that's all good stuff, right? But is this really a book? And as soon as you realize it's not, you're in the mystery. And the mystery has a different feel to it than the idea this is a book. I mean, you can feel the difference. You start to realize, I, I don't really know what this, this thing doesn't have a name. In fact, they kind of went over that the other night. Uh, they're looking at the Tao Te Ching on Sunday nights now, and I love that, right? And they looked at chapter one. The Tao that can be named is not the Tao. But that's what this is, because it's not a book. I just looked at it. There's no friggin' way this is a book. Book is a made-up thought out of made-up letters and made-up sounds, right? So... What we don't notice is we learned all this stuff. And again, there's nothing wrong with the practicality of it. It's all helpful. But there's a difference between the practicality of it and really thinking this is a book. There's a difference. And that's what we want to start to look at. Right? And that's what this guidance is saying. When an image is seen, notice that a concept is believed. The concept book is believed when I, my eyes land on this. Do you see how quickly that happens? The concept tree, the concept dog, 
the concept I, when I look in the mirror, I. And notice that all this stuff is made up and that's not what any of it is. That's a giant step forward. So do not use the mind to try to understand that the world is not real. Mental understanding is not the guidance. Be clear on what is being asked. When an image is seen, notice that a concept is believed. And again, it, it goes way beyond just book. It goes into awful book. Why would anybody read that? There's no truth in that book, <laughs> right? Look how many concepts are in that sentence, those sentences, right? So we go way beyond just book, don't we? Or any other concept believed. You know, it, it, what a tangled web we weave, <laughs> right? But somehow we have to start the unweaving process. And that's what this guidance is pointing to. So do not use the mind to try to understand that the world is not real. Mental understanding is not the guidance. Be clear on what is being asked. When an image is seen, notice that a concept is believed. Ah, I called that an airplane. How bizarre. I remember contemplating, you know, it's not an airplane in Japanese. It's not an airplane in Chinese. In fact, I remember being blown away and I wish I could remember. I, I actually studied both Japanese and Chinese, but I didn't use them. So they're both gone. <laughs> but it, both of them, when I was studying them, I remember being blown away by the fact, you know, in English, we say a cat says meow. They have totally different sounds that to me didn't sound anything like what a cat says. I thought, isn't that funny? I'm even trained to hear a cat go they hear something else. Like how far does this go? How far does this go? How much have we believed and just accepted as true? And that's the illusion. A cat doesn't say meow. amazing a dog doesn't bark a pig doesn't go oink oink now if somebody tuned in right now they'd say what the hell is she talking about <laughs> but it's true this is all stuff that we just made up passed down and believed and never ever even looked at Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, and on his farm he had a duck, E-I-E-I-O, with a quack quack here and a quack quack there, here a quack, there a quack, everywhere a quack quack, old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. It's not true. It's not true. So do not use the mind to try to understand that the world is not real. Mental understanding is not the guidance. Be clear on what is being asked. When an image is seen, notice that a concept is believed. One thing I have noticed, uh, you know, when people come to Levita, and I love it when people come to La Vida. I want everybody to come to La Vida. You know, I get to be with you hopefully when you come to La Vida. But one of the things I've noticed is La Vida, oh my God, is breathtakingly beautiful if you have any idea how to look. <laughs> but what I'll notice is we'll be driving down what they call the highway of legends among some of the most beautiful scenery you've seen in your life. And people are talking about their money and talking about their banks and talking about their daughters and talking about, and they don't even see it. That's lost in concepts. They don't even see the gorgeous, we call them dikes. They don't even see the gorgeous dikes out the window that you can't see anywhere else in the world, by the way. They're only here, you know? This is your chance to see what I mean by the word dike. <laughs> 
course, the gay ladies come and they laugh at me. When I say, look at the dykes, they all, they all go, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> Every time they giggle, because <laughs> that word means something different to them. <laughs> it's just a word, right? It can mean a gay lady. It can mean a, these things we have in Levitas. So for some people, they think I'm talking about those things in Holland, which is a different meaning for the word dyke, right? It's just a word, just a sound. But to find out what I mean by dyke, you got to come to Levita and you got to quit talking in the car while we're driving down Highway 12. You got to look. We're so lost in concepts, we don't even see Levita unless Regina takes you up on top of a mountain and tells you you're not allowed to talk. Then suddenly you start seeing. That's when people go, wow, when she doesn't allow them to talk on top of the mountain. She says, we're going to sit here for four hours. And you're not allowed to talk to each other. Those are the best days, aren't they, George? Those are the best days. Because then you get out of the concepts into the experience of the present moment. Right? So do not use the mind to try to understand that the world is not real. Mental understanding is not the guidance. Be clear on what is being asked. When an image is seen, notice that a concept is believed. This noticing is the guidance. Relationship realization, and that's a made up word. That's the way I was trying to say to myself, this realizing that everything is the ing, that I'm the ing, that I'm the it, that you know this in a very real way. And I called that relationship realization, just made up, don't get hooked on those words. They meant something to me in the moment. That's all that matters. It's my journey. Relationship realization is the purpose. Knowing the ing, right? That's the purpose. So that's 224. And we'll go on to 225. <clears throat> 225. Some assert the world before our eyes lacks permanence, tis true, but it is real while it lasts. We deny it, saying permanence is a criterion of reality. Now, this is Ramana Maharshi's teachings as written down by Muru Ganar, who was a poet, so he put things in kind of poetic sound sounding which makes it a little harder to read, which means you have to contemplate a little more when you're reading it. But what this is really saying is some people say, yeah, sure, this isn't permanent, but it's still real. And what Rowan Maharshi is saying, no, permanence is a criterion for reality. Now, what, what the first time I read this quote by Ramana Maharshi, what was really interesting to me, because you got to understand that until you're totally, totally awake, whatever that means, <laughs> there's always this doubt that lives there. The doubt becomes less and less and less, but the mind carries doubt in it, you understand. So until there's no mind, there's doubt. All right, they're friends. So when I was the scribe of NTI, uh, Holy Spirit and her wisdom started telling me that the world is not real. And um, this really bothered me. <laughs> I didn't even like to hear it. This really bothered me uh, because I experience it because, you know, if, if, if I'm playing with my dog and, and she bites me, I, I, you know, cause she gets, this dog gets a little rough. Of course I didn't have her back then, but this dog, she gets a little rough when you play with her. She doesn't understand gentle. <laughs> so she'll bite me out of play to the point where it draws blood. And, um, you know, I feel that. And so, you know, I was like, but if the dog bites me, I feel that. I mean, that's real, right? That's real. You know, so I had a lot of trouble with this. Uh, the world is not real thing. And so while inner wisdom was talking to me, inner wisdom was sharing with me what the world, what the word real means. Because, you know, any, any four letters, four made up sounds can be defined. <laughs> and what it defined real to mean is permanent, non-changing. And it, it told me, I heard this within myself, it told me if it's not permanent and non-changing, 
then it's not real. And the funny thing is, is I could accept if that's the definition we're going to use, right? Not that I feel it. If the definition we're going to use is it has to be permanent, well, then I can pretty much accept that the world is not real. I can see that even the planet Earth could be destroyed by an asteroid, right? I mean, I can see that that if that's the definition we're going to use, I can agree. Right? And this is how Holy Spirit taught me, um, got me to begin to accept that. But that little doubt was always back there in my mind, you know, like, oh, is that really? I mean, like when I look in the dictionary at the word real, it doesn't say that, <laughs> you know, like that little doubt still lived in my mind. So I remember the first time I read this quote, and I don't even think it was in the seven steps to awakening, because I actually read the Garland of Guru's Sayings, which is Murukunar's book before I read this. So probably the first time I came across this, I'm sure, was when I was reading the Garland. But when I read this, I remember going, oh, my gosh. You know, this says the same thing. Here's what Regina used to assert. The world before our, our eyes lacks permanence, but it's real while it lasts. That's what I used to say. Some assert this world before our eyes lacks permanence. Tis true, but it is real while it lasts. We, meaning the sages, we deny it saying permanence is a criterion of reality. Now, I know y'all aren't me, so you didn't have my experience. But what that was said to me was, oh, my God. What I heard from within has just been validated by Ramana Maharshi. That brought much more acceptance to it. In fact, probably up until this point, up until this realization, up until this came together, I didn't know to start looking for what's permanent in my experience, what's always here. Because there was still that doubt that you, that you needed permanence for reality. Does that make sense? So as long as the doubt was there, you know, there's still that maybe the world is real. Like if the dog bites me and I feel it, maybe that is real. It, it, you know, it hung in there somehow, just, a just enough to hold me back. But when I got this outer confirmation of what I had been taught from the inside and it came together as, oh my God, it must be true. Like the acceptance happened then. Then I began to say, okay, so what's permanent? And permanent in this case is the same as saying, so what's real then? Again, that's a giant step forward. Some of these giant step forwards are much more subtle then we may be led to believe. But when you accept that the real has to be permanent, always here, never changing, when you really accept that at the core of your being, then you can begin to look for the real. Until then, you're kind of held back by the idea that, well, the world must be real. I felt that. You know? <laughs> right? right it must be real no and you know what else happens eventually eventually what begins to happen is the past begins to somehow fall away faster i don't know how to describe this except well maybe i do maybe i do know how to describe this as we become uh, naturally less reliant on concepts and stories. We quit going over them in the mind. At least this is my theory on what happens based on my experience. We quit, you know, so like, you know, if Sina said something to me yesterday, you know, she said it, I respond and it's over. Where once upon a time, I might've gone over it again. And again, well, Sinus said this, I wonder what she meant and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And next time I see her, I'm gonna, and blah, 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 blah. And somehow it's like we hold on to the past through our storytelling. Well, as you become less reliant on concepts and less reliant on thought and more interested in what's permanent, you just stop doing that. It stops. I'm not gonna say you stop. It stops. It stops doing that. The mind stops doing that, or at least 
to a huge degree. And so something happens and it's over. So the past falls away quicker. You don't even remember it. Somebody will say something like, do you remember two weeks ago when Sinus said such and such to you? You're like, oh, no, not really. You know, because you didn't run over it and you didn't burn it in your brain. So the past falls away faster. And then for me, the past fell away first. Later, the future fell away. The future fell away when I totally saw in a very real moment that it was all imagination. If, and, and it fell away in one moment. And I'll tell you, I may have told you this story, forgive me. Remember, I don't remember the past. So if I told you last week, I don't even hardly remember that. <laughs> but it happened when I was setting, on, it, it was actually my porch, but I'd given it to Jacqueline. So I called it Jacqueline's porch because she didn't have a porch. So we were setting on Jacqueline's porch, which was really my porch, uh, but I gave it to her. So we're setting on Jacqueline's porch. Um, let me back up a little bit. I thought I knew the future. I thought that since God had taken my mom, who I never imagined would move to Colorado, and not only moved her to Colorado, but moved her to Levita, and it also put a retreat house in Levita, I decided this was God's way of putting my roots in Levita, and that I would probably spend, no, I, no there was no probably, I thought this was true. I would spend the rest of my life in La Vida teaching retreats. That was my future. And I was certain of it. Never questioned that anything else might happen. And then what happened in July of what was this? 2020, I think. I don't know for sure. 2020, 2021, who knows? But in July, I don't remember that my mom suddenly started having trouble breathing. Her oxygen levels were dropping way down, like 82. Anne knows what the hell that means. Not good, is it, Anne? She couldn't keep it up. She went to the doctor, and the doctor told her that she had to leave La Vida. She could not li live in La Vida. In fact, he told her to get to Pueblo as soon as possible. We began looking for a house immediately. Within two weeks, she was gone, uh, gone to Pueblo. But even before that two weeks was over, within like 24 hours of me finding out that my mom had to leave La Vida, Jacqueline came back from a vacation back in uh, Indiana and Kentucky and told me that she was going to go back to Indiana. Somehow, when you took my mom leaving La Vida, and Jacqueline, which at that point seemed like possibly all of awakening together, leaving Levita, my imaginary future fell in the gap in the middle. And that's when I saw it was all made up. You see how that happened for me? Just like, boom, in one moment, this whole future that I thought was for sure collapsed. And that's when the future collapsed. I mean, it just collapsed. Like I suddenly saw with complete clarity that the future is nothing but imagination. That all that exists, all that's real is here. So the past had already fallen away from me as I quit telling stories in my own minds or the stories quit would probably be a better way of saying it. And now the future fell away. And it left me in this present, left me in this present. Now, the funny thing is, I don't know why I'm telling you all of this. So let's read the quote and see if it comes back. So we're on 225. We have five minutes. See what we can do with this. Some assert the world before our eyes lacks permanence, tis true, but it is real while it lasts. We deny it saying permanence is a criterion of reality. Well, I don't really remember why I started telling you all that, but I can tell you what's coming up for me now. The only thing that I find that is real, certainly not the past, certainly not the future. The only thing that I can find that is real, absolutely real, is now 
and here. They're always here. They're always now. And they're always I. You can't separate I now here. So while everything else seems to be passing through, right? It's present and then it's gone. It's present and then it's gone because there is no future anymore. There is no past. There's this, you know, what's happening. Like Regina's talking and the dog's sleeping. I just got real thirsty. <laughs> it's happening now, but then it's gone. But now is always here. Here is always here. Whatever I am, this is always here, right? That's the only thing that I can find right now that I can say is real. Nothing else is permanent. I mean, look how much Tanya Tucker changed since the last time I saw her. <laughs> Even my image of Tanya Tucker was not permanent, right? Oops, guys, you foot. Uh, suddenly there's a foot on the computer. I don't want to disconnect this. Let's move this little paw. There you go. <laughs> Let's go to 225 in the journal. We only have three minutes. Do not fall for the recommendation that you should react to world circumstances while you still believe them to be true. This recommendation does not undo belief and therefore does not remove appearances. Practice the guidance of noticing and acknowledging as it is given here. This is the practice that allows beliefs to be seen with the light of wisdom. And it is wisdom that does unfalls that does undoes false beliefs. So quickly, what this is saying is, some people might say, well, if Sina said something rude to you, you should call her up and remind her that you are the founder of Awakening Together. And that if it wasn't for you, this organization wouldn't even exist, right? You should remind her to treat you with respect. That's what some people would say, right? This is saying, don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. You fall for that, you hold on to the whole world. Instead, notice, ah, there was a thought in my mind that what she said was rude. Start there. I thought what she said was rude. I defined it as rude. What's rude? What does that even mean? It means I didn't want to hear it. What does that have to do with anything? You know, what, what does that have to do with any? I mean, I can stop right there, right there. It all disappears as soon as I say that. Some people may have to go further with the inquiry. But as soon as I realize I'm the one that defined it as rude because I didn't want to hear it, it's like, well, that's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> sure, it's gone. It disappears. But basically, you inquire until it disappears until it no longer matters what Sina or whoever said. And by the way, I do want to be clear, Sina did not say anything to me I'm making this up. But, you know, you got to be careful about when people tell you you have to stand up for yourself. When you stand up for yourself, do you know which self you're standing up for? your concept of the false self and all of the beliefs that go along with it. Sinus should not have said that to me. I'm above her clearly, and she should respect me, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that's all in there. So I felt offended. Why did I feel offended? Because I thought that was rude. You know, rude. What the heck is rude? What the heck is a book? You know, start looking at this stuff. What the heck is true? What the heck is made up? And with that, we're out of town, out of time. We're out of Tanya Tucker. We're out of time. I'll see y'all. I think next week I still get to see you. I think it's still March, right? Okay. Bye. <laughs>